Blog Talk Radio. Blame the media, but we went from 
fathers know father knows best way back when. So now father doesn't know anything. You know, whatever you think of Bill Cosby, and, and I'm not going to get into that, but, but yeah. you had Cliff Huxtable. You had, uh, you know, Stephen Keaton. You had these images in the media, on TV, in movies, where dads, they knew what was going on. And, and now a lot of that is, and don't get me wrong, I love the Simpsons, but your Homer Simpsons, your, you know, your Al Bundys, you know, this type of thing, where the dads stay Peter relatively Griffin. clueless. Peter Griffin, Peter they Griffin. don't know what's going on. Right. Uh, the kids are surviving and thriving in spite of the father. The, the mother is the grounded one. And, and, and you know, I, I understand, uh, you know, family dynamics change. But long story short, I'm looking at all this stuff, and you see, uh, you know, a lot of stuff, particularly around, like, Father's Day. You know, let me get on my soapbox a little bit as far as fathers. Father's Day is the one holiday where it's okay to bash the holiday, the person, the group that's supposed to be celebrated, Right. On Easter, you don't hear people talking about how bad and worthless the Easter bunny is. Uh, you know, Arbor Day, that's not the day you celebrate cutting down trees. You know, Valentine's Day, you know, so, but Father's Day, you see a lot of stuff about dads that aren't doing what they should be doing. And I was just thinking, you know, I know a lot of dads. I'm a, I'm a dad myself. And I'm thinking all the dads I know are doing what they're supposed to do. And it's not where I'm saying, you know, where Chris Rock said, you know, you always want a prize for doing what you're supposed to do. That's not what I'm saying. I'm celebrating the amazing dads that are bringing it every single day, making an impact in their children's lives every single day. And the focus of the group is not to, to you know, bash moms. It's not to even, uh, you know, we've got, you know, dozens of posts. I don't think there's been anything negative about even the stuff on TV. It's just a celebration of dads and their kids. Uh, it started with just about 20, 25 uh, dads that I knew. It's grown where I think we're at 110 dads. It's, it's pictures. It's stories. It's just little tidbits of uh, dads being dads and just, you know, tips and tricks. You know, uh, there's dads like yourself that just have the two boys. There's dads like myself that have girls. There's dads that have both. And just some of the, you know, we talked about the unique challenges with, for that. You know, what plans are you going to have this summer with your kids? So it's a, just a great environment, I think, to, to really open up and share and be dad, be happy about being a dad. Um, so I'm, I'm very uh, surprised, not really surprised, but it's just, uh, to, to see this kind of group grow and uh, it's been a really it's been a blessing to me and I'm I'm glad that I finally put pen to paper and got it got it uh, got it started because the feedback has just been absolutely tremendous I think yeah yeah and you uh you sent me an invitation to add me to the group and I appreciate it uh, I pass it on to a couple of the dads that I know and also a couple other you know, bands that we've had on the guests of the show. James Struble's in there. Uh, I extended it to Michael Tillery and Ron Glover. We've had all those guys on the show. So, uh, yeah. Congrats on how much it has grown in such a short amount of time. And and that's when I knew, because at first I thought it was just going to be me 
and the dads that I know, which is fine. Don't get me wrong, you know. Uh, but it's really it's it's you know each one reach one, you know I'm seeing you know names I don't necessarily recognize that are joining the group and that are sharing. Uh, I think most of the people have shared pictures or stories or or what have you, and it's just a safe space for dads. And I like it that it's not necessarily people I know personally, but it's just dads saying I'm a dad. Here's me and my kids doing X, Y, and Z. This is what we're about. And it and it's really, uh, you know, I try to put in little uh, the statistics, and I, I didn't mean to dominate quite this much. When you look at at the at, at, at kids' lives that don't have dads, you know, being actively involved, and I'm not sure how you quantify actively involved, but dads make a difference. You know, if you've got involved fathers, 39% more likely. Uh, to get A's in school, 45% less likely to repeat a grade, 60% less likely to be suspended or expelled from school, two times as likely to go to college and find stable employment after high school, 75% less likely to have a teen birth, and 80% less likely to spend time in jail. Involved fathers matter. You know, and I don't want to, you know, judge anybody's family situation. I know everybody's dynamics are different, but the statistics are there to say whether or not the parents are together, married, what have you, involved fathers impact children's lives positively. There's, there's no, you, you can't, you can't say otherwise. So what I'm, all I'm trying to do is provide a space for dads to kind of come recharge your batteries, feed off each other. Nothing but positive stuff. You know, there's, don't get, now there's struggles. You know, everybody that's raised kids will tell you there's times where you want to rip out your hair and their hair too. I get that. <laughs> but it's, yeah. this, this, this is, this is no. not about bashing. Well, my wife made me do X, Y. No, no, no. That's, that's not what this is about. Right. It's not about right. uh, child support. It's not about that. It's about you and, and doing things for your kids and doing things as a dad. So, I'm very, I'm very happy about that, and I feel very, um, I don't know, fortunate's the right word to kind of uh, got that, got that running off the ground. Yeah, yeah. So I meant to mention it last week, and uh, I think I split my mind. And next thing you know, we're wrapping up another show, so I know I definitely wanted to lead with it and, and make sure we got it in. Uh, this go around on this particular Wednesday evening. So yeah, man, it's it's nice to see it just continue to grow, like you say, each one reach one, and that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, it, it, like I said, it's it's growing. It's fantastic. I mean, I've got folks from Indiana and Virginia, and it, it's 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 been really great to to see it grow. You know, even some Louisville fans in there. Uh, you know, and and. Uh, I, 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 every time I look and I check and I see activity in there, it just it, it in the group, it, it makes me feel good. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's, it's cool, and I appreciate you sliding me an invitation to let me be in there as well. Um, oh, absolutely. And I'm definitely not trying to overlook this show because it's going to be fun, and we're going to get into all kinds of stuff like we always do. I'm going to go ahead and tease next week a little bit and 
maybe not even tell you everything, but you everybody that listens knows Raleigh County, Kentucky. Had a lot of guests on from Raleigh County, Kentucky. You know, the UK guys, you know, Morehead State, different various different places. Freddie Mays been on multiple times, George Massey, all those guys from my neck of the woods from Raleigh County. And everybody knows that UTB will comically kind of roll your eyes like, oh, Lord, here we go again. Here we go talking about Harley County again. <laughs> and so we, we've we talked about, you know, Seneca representation. Like, we need to get somebody from Seneca on. Get somebody from your end on. I'm just going to say that next week we will have some Seneca representation. I was texting you a little bit about it and told you who it was. You might figure it out or might already have an idea. We got some deep Seneca representation next week at 7 o'clock. And I'm talking, it's going to be right up your alley. Seneca history. Now, I'm going to go ahead and spoil because it's not with Lucille, but they know Wes Lucille <laughs> well. I will, say, I will say that. They know Wes very well. And from a historical standpoint, it's going to be on par with when, when we had Oscar Combs on. This person goes back, 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 back. UK history, Seneca history. I can't wait. We've had shows before where you and I just sit back and the guests do all the heavy lifting. The show with Derek Ramsey and Sonny Collins, um, the show with uh, Freddie Maggard, uh, Donald Selfie and Jerry Bell, and all the people that called in when we had them on. And you and I are just, we're, we're sitting there messaging each other on Twitter, like, this is great, man, this is awesome. And we're just listening. It's going to be like that again next Wednesday at 7, and it's from your alma mater. Another, I'm not saying, that'll be y'all debate who's the most famous one. I'm not getting that, because I know you are up there on the Seneca list, but this is another famous Seneca alum that will be calling in the Cat Talk Wednesday, 7 o'clock next Wednesday. I'm excited about it, and I can't wait to hear y'all chat it up. I'm excited. Uh, you know, I, I'm 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 looking forward to looking forward to that. I'm I'm hoping my my schedule works out. Uh, you know, I, we've been talking about. You know, I, I'm becoming a homeowner again. Uh, <laughs> get my condo. I'm supposed to be closing next week, so I'm I'm hopefully be done by by six to get on there because I'm I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to everything next week. Yeah, and that's what I was trying to – I was sending you a text, and I was like, oh, and then to the next week we work for him, I was like, oh, no. So I thought, well, let me at least push it back as late as possible because I knew in the back of my mind that you had that going. And I was like, I got to push it back for you, and then this next Wednesday would work. So I'm trying to juggle it a little bit. But long story short, I got some cynical representation coming up in here. So we can no longer say nobody from Seneca besides you have been on here. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited. I'm gonna do everything I can to you know I gotta gotta handle business, but uh, I'm oh, definitely yeah. looking oh, forward yeah. to, to to definitely looking forward to to next week. And uh, I mean I look forward to uh, every week uh, on the show. So next week will be super duper special. Uh, I meant to bring this up a couple of weeks ago. You know, it was a year ago we had the Dick Vitale on. So uh, I was looking at that. That popped up on my feed. And at first I said, you know, I'm going to look back and kind of do a top ten list. 
of, of guests. But honestly and for truly, I, I couldn't even do it because, man, we've had some really great guests. Number one, I don't even know how you rank them. Number two, just getting to a top ten. So my thing is, I, I, we haven't. I don't think we've had a guest on where at the end of the show I said to myself, "Okay, that was a waste of time," or <laughs> "Why do we have that person on?" I mean, you you know, you you see some shows uh, on TV, uh, whatnot, where the 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 interview just goes bad or anything. I think every guest we've had, I think. If I remember correctly, that's going back to our, our current boss, Cameron Mills, coming on years and years ago. Uh, I just can't think of any guest where it's just like, okay, I've, where it couldn't we couldn't have kept talking. Uh, from from Bernie Bickerstaff and Dwayne Peter, I mean, you can just go through every guest has just been, wow. So we've been very very fortunate. To have lots of great guests, and, and that's really helped make our show what it is. And, and folks listening, so we've had quite a, a murderous row of guests come on and and chop it up with us, as you say, Vinny. Yeah, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm not saying you can predict and tell how everything is going to go, but you know, we each guest, like if I ain't got nothing that I can ask. You know, they come to my mind quickly. Well, I'm probably not gonna have that person on, or you know, if there's people that's been on a bunch of different shows. Well, I'm like, well, I, I, I don't have anything else. I can ask them. I haven't heard them already ask them other shows. So, yeah, you know, might not have them on. But that's you know, we try to mix it up with all the guests, Matt May, uh, Ralph, all the different guys we've had and brought on. Try to make it where we got some good back and forth, no matter who it is. And I'm glad you said that. Uh, condolences to Matt May, friend of the show, friend of mine from way back when his dad passed away uh, mm. last week, and and had, they had his funeral on Monday here in town, and I was able to stop by and pay my respects. Uh, realized, and this was just recent. I've known Matt over 20 years, but his dad was a retired uh, police officer from Je- Jefferson County. Here in town And and so his dad And my dad kind of run around in the same Circle so uh, yeah, Definitely condolences to, to, to Matt his wife and his son And, uh, and their family uh, You know I Don't want to get too sad and everything like that But definitely want to send condolences out To, to, to them uh, On that because you know Matt He's a, he's a great guy, and he's bounced around. He's been our horse racing expert uh, yeah. just because of uh, working. You know, he was the media relations director at Keeneland for a stretch. Now he's back at UK. He's the sports information uh, director for baseball, and I've been trying to get him on to talk about the baseball. Uh, yeah. Because every time we talked about him coming on, well, they kept winning. And so, you know, that was, it was, it, it was a thing. It's like, okay, he said, we'll, we'll see what happens. And, you know, you get, once you get to the super regionals, that's pretty much the, you know, the, 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 the peak there. So uh, when, when things kind of settle down for him, he's definitely going to come on and give us a firsthand 
uh, rundown of of what a magical magical season the baseball team had. I told him, you know, he's he's a good luck charm. You know, he fills that role this season. <laughs> they go on that. He said, I think Coach Mingione had a little bit more to do with it than I did. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but just talking to him throughout the season, and you know, I saw him at, at the games I was able to cover. Uh, now, to his credit, and he won't say as much, but he told me way back when, uh, before the season started, we kind of talked. Uh, uh, I said, you know, what are you thinking for baseball? He said, we're going to surprise some people. He said, I don't know how good we will be, but we're going to surprise people. So uh, he was able to see some things behind the scenes with Coach that uh, uh, that really carried over. And one last thing that he told me, uh, you know, uh, we've seen Coach Mangione, Pat, uh, the postseason or after the season kind of, he's been all over the place. You know, he's kind of become the, the I don't want to say a marked man, but, you know, he, everybody wants a piece. And and Matt said to me, he said, you think when you meet him that it's an act the way he is, that it's because you think no one can be like this all the time. You know, it's <laughs> got to be an act. It's got to be for show. He said it is genuine. And that is kind of why he said that the uh, that this, the season would be good because the the players bought in first meeting coming forward they all bought in to what he was what he was saying and, you know I wrote that article from Cameron's Mills uh, Radio dot com about you know the end of the season that Super Regional at Louisville and how impressed I was with both Louisville's coach Dan McDonald and our own coach. And um, and Matt said, yeah, he's like that all the time, and that's why players and parents love him. But, you now, keep in mind, you know, you and I have been around sports for a while. Usually, in a situation like that, where a coach comes in, you get a lot of people defecting. Right, new coach comes in, yeah. you get you get folks. At least they're grumbling about leaving. At, you know, looking out for their own, what have you. That didn't happen. And uh, we all know what a unique challenge it is for a new coach to come in and sell himself on uh, sell himself and his vision of a program on kids he didn't recruit. And, and Coach Mangione said that post game after that loss to Louisville that you know it was odd for him because he likes knowing you know everybody's brothers and sisters' name, what do their parents do, but but he didn't get that opportunity. So, again, kind of like we are with with football, it's kind of – I'm excited to see what's going to happen with the baseball team because we're we're bringing in some pretty good guys. Some guys are staying. It's going to be fantastic. It's like with football last year. I think we lost – left a couple of W's out there. I I think we left a couple of series wins out there this past year with baseball, and it's only going to get better. So, uh, I've I've, I've rambled enough on that, but just – uh, like going back to my original point, we've had a lot of awesome guests, so I'm definitely looking forward to to next week, and 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 what we're going to be able to to take care of there. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and and of course, like you mentioned, the Cats left a couple of wins out there. We'll in football, we'll do our little predictions. Cats are getting a lot of a lot of good vibes coming out of Hoover at the media days. From a lot of people, I mean, we kind of heard some of that last year, but it's even more this year. Uh, they have to adjust to being 
not so much a surprise team as they have been. People know about them. They're not going to pick up on anybody. Uh, get the schedule out, and we can see what we come up with here later on in the show like we do. Try to believe that it's that time again to predict wins and losses for UK football. Uh, we both, well, we got to pass on them back. Last year, we, we both came up with a pretty good tally for what the season was going to be, so it's always fun to do that game by game uh, in just a bit. But we're taking some quick break now. Oh, yeah. Now, as I say, before we take a break, let, let, let the record show I did predict the Cats would win at Louisville to end the season. Yes, I, 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 wasn't, I, I wasn't 100% on board with it. I wasn't, it wasn't, you know, my lock of the week, but I just said at some point <laughs> we got to win that one. So I'm feeling pretty good that we did that, but – uh, I know that as we progress into the summer, we'll look at the schedule and, and kind of figure some, some things out going forward. So I just, I just had to throw that out there. I'm, I'm wrong so much that I wanted to – I got to tout when I'm actually right a little bit. So <laughs> let me have that one. Absolutely. And you want to do it? I mean, might as well do it tonight. It's, it's Prediction City down in Birmingham. It's media day tomorrow. All the media votes as to where they all the teams rank in the East and the West, respectively. So you're going to get some goofy off the wall vote for Arkansas or Mississippi State. It, it always happens. Uh, so, you know, Vanderbilt, something like that. So we'll see who does that tomorrow. But they're going to rank them. Kentucky's hovering around fourth, some places even third. To tell, I'm, I'm, we can throw that all out there and 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 see where it what sticks. You know, you had the big pick stick like you just mentioned. So yeah, we'll see what we come up with, man. And and all NBA right. agency and summer league too. Got and I got backtracked to some NBA agent moves that I forgot to mention last week. Cause I'm sure you had thoughts when you saw that as well. Because everybody listening knows we love the NBA, so we're keeping our eye on that as well. We'll take a quick break now. Catch up Wednesday. Vinnie Hardy, Terry, TV, Mr. 502, Brown, Brandon Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. Stay right with us. We will be right back, y'all. <laughs>
by what they've done talking, you know, draft night going forward into a free agency. Um, you know, we talked about Zach Randolph going out there and, and George Hill uh, picking up Harry Giles if he can, you know, be healthy and, and get back as close as possible to, you know, good form. Aaron Fox, you know him very well. And the impression he's already making on the league and NBA and nationally as a whole. I think Vince Carter out there, another veteran president, not been fan of events, but he can still, you know, have some of those nights where he can be a spark and, and, and contribute. I, I think that's just another good move. We've been tweeting a little stuff back and forth, you know, about the Kings and about moves in general and, and music tweets. That's how we've been doing lately. But I think Vince Vin going out there is another good move for Sacramento. And, and, and you and I, uh, listeners, know we have railed on the Kings. I, you know, everything we've ever said in reference to the Kings has been they're a terrible franchise, except for that brief run with C Web. I mean, that, that yeah. that's pretty much how you have to couch everything because uh, we've just watched the way they've mismanaged uh, Demarcus Cousins and even going back, uh, Mitch Richmond. Uh, Mitch Richmond. Uh, and Ray Allen, I think, are the, were those all-star players. You forgot about until the all-star game. You know, you knew they were good. Yeah. They were putting up solid numbers night in, night out. But you honestly forgot about them until star game. You know, Ray Ray would come in, hit a couple of times. You're like, oh, yeah, Ray Allen is good. You know, you forget <laughs> about them. So, Sacramento, I don't think there's a team, and you can even put Boston with the Hayward trade I, I'd even would put it up there or not Hayward trade the free agent signing but the, the the Chris Paul trade with your Rockets I don't know if there's a team that would I would give a better offseason grade to than uh, the Sacramento Kings and again that's grading on a curve because they have been historically terrible but when the Kings mm-hmm. make a move that's not head scratchingly bad you have to say okay way to go maybe you're not the same old king I mean, there's still a lot of time between now and then, but you look at the veteran presence, and it's like they had a shopping list, the Kings did, and said, this is what we need. We need a franchise guy. I think Fox can be that franchise guy. We need, we need some veterans. You, you bring in Zach Randolph. You bring in uh, George Hill, right? And, that, and then you bring in Vince Carter. You know, that's a, Will they win 50 games? I don't think so. But that's a pretty good recipe for at least keeping the fan base engaged in that team. They may not win a lot, but I think they're going to become must-see television. And, oh, hello, the the guy that some Kentucky fans couldn't get rid of fast enough, Scal LeBissier, has really looked well. Now that he's that spot-up shooter out there, wow. Uh, that stretch four that teams are, are, are really coveting and has become – you know, the, the stretch four has kind of become like uh, the left tackle in football. You remember uh, probably in the, in the early 2000s, that left tackle on your football team, that became the, the glamour position almost. Not quite a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, but it seems like everybody knew who their left tackle was. And that, you know, that yeah. left tackle but to protect the quarterback's blind side well, you, you knew he was going to be a he was going to make you know the most money out of uh, the offensive line, and now all of a sudden because the game has changed in basketball, 
that stretch four, someone who can defend in and out and someone who can make make a deep shot, make that three, as well as go inside, has become even more valuable. So uh, it's, it's just interesting when you see how things evolve, how uh, positions kind of change. Uh, I tweeted this out not too long ago. It was the, a playoff game. It was the Bulls uh, and against the Cavs. It was the Jordan over Elo, that game, that game five, I believe. But you look, and there's Brad Daugherty, who was a very good all-star, all-pro caliber center, catches the ball at the top of the key, and Bill Cartwright, who's guarding him, is five feet into the paint. Like, he's a good 10 feet away from him. And you're thinking, the game has evolved, man. You look at the big men now, uh, DeMarcus Cousins has got a big jump shot. You know, Draymond Green, not a, not a fan, but he can hit that shot. Uh, you, you look at uh, Channing Fry for uh, Cleveland, hit that shot. Even uh, Kevin Love, who years ago would have been kind of, I don't want to say stuck, but kind of regulated to that Kevin McHale post position, now you see the game has changed. And it's like, would you give Carl Anthony Towns a, a, a shot at the top of the key? Absolutely not. I mean, no. <laughs> you know, he, you know, even a Kevin Durant, who is a seven-footer, you know, you think way back when he would have been trying to bang in the paint, and now the game has evolved. That's that's what happened. So, uh, you, you, you kind of look at what it, what gets strength, what gets strength, what gets emphasized as the game changes. <laughs> and 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 Scal wasn't quite a fit here, but I, I see him being a very serviceable pro because of his skill set. And and I I said that while the season was going on. And I think Cal even alluded to that, that he was trying to use Scal kind of not to his strength. So uh, whatever you think about him, I think he's going to be very more than serviceable uh, as he continues to develop. And he looks big. I mean, he looks huge uh, compared to when he was uh, in Lexington. So that, that will help. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of other free agent moves, and we, you know, we like the move with Vince Carter. Uh, I don't know. The move, uh, maybe not so much the move, because he's been a quality player and had a career that's probably surprisingly uh, lengthier and, and better from a safety standpoint than we would have, would have ever thought when he first came into the league. And that is, I know he plays for your Clippers, that is J.J. Redick. But I guess in going to the Sixers, which, you know, they've been getting big men for years. They need some guards and perimeter shooting. But the thing that got me was the contract. And I usually don't pay attention to contracts. Ever since A-Rod, I'm, I'm being kind of oblivious to contracts. Uh, but one year, $23 million for J.J. Reddick. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and, and, I mean, he has been – he fit the Clippers system well. The Clippers never went as far as everyone thought they would in the postseason, but they, by Clippers standards, strung together and, you know, for what it's worth, a bunch of 50-win seasons didn't pan out in May and June like they would have hoped, you know, Blake Griffin getting hurt, Blake Griffin punching the trainer, very different reasons. Doc Rivers maybe wanted to play Austin Rivers a little bit too much, but I wasn't a fan of that. But 
J.J. Reddick has been, you know, running off screens and, and knocking down jumpers out there for a lot longer than I thought he would have when he first came out at Duke. And now he moves to Philly for a year, but he cashed in. Everybody's cashing in. The numbers in the NBA are crazy. And, you know, even teams trying to pay a lot of luxury tax, they don't care, putting all these teams together. But that just that caught my eye, Then J.J. Reddick be a $20 million man is what I'm trying to say. Oh, that's what I took it the long way around, but that's what I'm trying to say. Well, it, but the thing is, J.J. Reddick, I mean, he he can shoot the ball. And not yeah. only and, – and I'm not a – obviously not a Duke fan, not a huge J.J. Reddick fan, but he's not just a standstill shooter. You get a lot of guys, you can get them in a gym, and they can hit 55 out of 103 points, you know, just sitting there shooting. But – what I liked about what Coach K did for J.J. Redick at Duke, and, and, and Cal does this too, is challenging guys. J.J. Redick, when you watch him play, he knows how to create space through his movement, and he, he's on par with the Ray Allen and the uh, Reggie Miller school of how to come off a pick. Yeah. You know, the, the coming off a pick, is, is a is a simple activity. You just, you know, you run your guy into the pick. But, you know, it's way more detailed than that. It's how to come off on the pick to get your feet ready to catch and shoot, get your hands ready. There's an art to that. Uh, uh, Richard Hamilton, Rip Hamilton, was a very good one off that, off those curls. Yeah. And it's how you get your man leaning to get space to get your shot off. Because if all you can do is just shoot the ball, you're not going to get a wide open look uh, in the NBA. That's that's just not going to happen. And I really didn't process that until uh, I was reading about Kyle Korver coming over from Atlanta to Cleveland. And Atlanta, they had him running off screens and a lot of screen downs, a lot of flares and that kind of thing. Well, in, in Cleveland's offense, a lot of the shots he's getting now – He's not moving. The ball and other players are moving. And he had to adapt. Well, I can't necessarily do the same motion I was doing in Atlanta because, you know, you got LeBron, you got Kyrie. The ball is going to come to me in a different way. And once you kind of talk to – and I love talking I, – I watched a video last night on Pete Rose talking about why he was a great O2 hitter. I can listen to folks talk about their craft forever. To me, that is amazing. Uh, a little bit of a segue on Sunday afternoons, a lot of times, particularly not during NFL season, I love watching this old house on PBS. And you got these carpenters and these woodworkers and, and these masons. And to me, it's just a pile of bricks and a stack of wood but they can explain to you and get a tool and make something really beautiful. To me, that's fascinating. It, it's like uh, the Michael Jackson documentary, This Is It, where he, they, they're showing kind of behind the scenes of how he's preparing this performance. And you're watching kind of a, this, 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 I don't want to say genius, but maybe genius is the right word, this, this, this perfect artisan kind of, as best as they can, explain to you their process, where – most people just say, oh, that's just a basic dance move. And, and Michael mm-hmm. Jackson's like, no, I want to get from A to B 
This is how I want to do it. I've got to move my ankles, my hips, my knees. I've got to do this like this to, to give this result to the audience. I love that. I, I love, you know, hearing offensive linemen talk about the technique. Most people, your offensive, defensive line, it's just two big guys, boom, smashing into each other. Well, there's more to it than that. There is a technique. There's a theory toward everything. There's an economy of movement. And, and so when you understand that, and taking a page out of your book, I said all that to say this, J.J. Reddick, he knows his craft. If I had a son, hey, forget the NFL, banging your head all day, go to the NBA. That's the payday. When you realize the top, top NFL players are making J.J. Reddick money, okay? Yeah. J.J. Reddick, serviceable pro. Very good, mm-hmm. not quite all-star level, but he's making all-pro Super Bowl champion NFL player money. That's a that's a no-brainer. When you look at the yeah. NBA contracts and the and the Major League Baseball contracts, the NFL people have got to be scratching their heads. And it's not even about you know there's more the the roster for football is bigger. Uh, I think I saw something the NBA brought in just under $5 billion in revenue for the, uh, I think, the 2015-16 season. The NFL brought in like $14 billion. And yet the players, when you look at the contracts, they're not even in the same ball, ballpark, and they're not even guaranteed. That's the thing that bothers my mind. NFL is king, but they're kind of rank-and-file players. You know, if you had an equivalent – J.J. Reddick, NFL player, and I don't know who that would be, but you know somebody that's decent that's not making the Pro yeah. Bowl. You're not going to find that person making. Yeah, you're not going to find that guy making twenty three million dollars a year. You're not. Yeah. You know, and you look at Mike Conley's contract in Memphis. Love him. Mm-hmm. He's a tough, gritty player, but he's severely limited. But look at the money he's bringing in. Are you? I mean. <laughs> Teach, hey, you need to get your boys out there with a the basketball right now. When the show ends, go out here and say we are going to shoot some shots. Y'all got to get some balls up. It's summertime. I need some three pointers and some layups and some dribbling with your left hand. Because my goodness, my good, give me JJ Reddick money, I, and I can't yeah. even hate it. Uh-uh, not at all. You know how we always. Forget something we can't ever. Sometimes we can't squeeze stuff in. Something from the show we can't squeeze it in. So carry it to the next show. And that was something I was like, we got to talk about JJ Reddick. <laughs> we got to. I mean, he signed with Philadelphia probably two weeks ago. We got to. We got to drag that transaction and bring it into a show where we don't run out of time. Uh, another one, man. You and I. <laughs> we had we had a field day because. When Cleveland eliminated Toronto, Kyle Lowry was out that game. Uh, he was injured, wasn't able to play. And you and I and Twitter and everybody else was was clowning him for that outfit that he had on the sideline. And no sooner than the game, the buzzer had barely sounded. And he had already opted out of his contract to pretty much all indications he was gone. Wasn't going to re-sign with the Raptors. And then you kind of got up there in that open market and, and things weren't really shaping up the way that he thought. And 
next thing you know, he's re-signing with Toronto again. So that was another one that kind of caught my eye because he was looking like he was ready to make a beeline straight out of Toronto. You heard talks about him maybe going to the Sixers because he's from Philadelphia. There's also talks maybe the Spurs. Nothing really played out like he wanted, so he about faced and went right back to Toronto. And I, I just kind of chuckled because I was very surprised, and maybe he is too, that he's back in Toronto. But Toronto, and it's a it's a weird it's 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 a really weird situation for Toronto. Uh, I mean, have they really made any move to make you say wow? Uh, so they seem locked into they'll probably be one, two, or three seed in the East until until you see it. Who's going to beat the Who's going to keep the Cavs from getting back to the finals? I, I, the Hayward signing in Boston. Okay, okay. yeah, I mean that that's that that yeah, and and, and Dan Gilbert and that, and we could touch on that too. Yeah. That's that, bizarre. Yeah. But you're you're kind of stuck. It's it's not really a free agent destination. Uh, the Cavs. I mean, sorry, the, the the Raptors. They're they're good. They've been a good team. Fifty win team. Uh, they've had a remarkable level of consistency here lately, but I, I don't know anybody that says, "Oh yeah, they can. They, they'll be able to beat the, the Cavs and the uh, improved Celtics." I'm not sold on Hayward being the difference when uh, the Cavs and Celtics meet in the playoffs next year. Because your question is, the, the question becomes, who is going to guard LeBron? And I don't know if there's anybody that can do that in a seven-game series on uh, on Boston's radar or on their uh, uh, on their roster right now. So I think they got better, but you're still kind of closing your gap. Have you closed the gap on 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 the Cavs? I don't I don't see that. Yeah, and then you had. Um... Which, I mean, you had to, to give up something, which even though Hayward was a free agent acquisition, you know, trying to make the salary work, uh, Avery Bradley gets traded to Detroit. And, I don't know, maybe Danny Ainge's trying. If I'm Danny Ainge, I'm trying to hang on to Avery Bradley. Uh, solid defender, exceptional defender, added a three-point shot, you know, where you, you have to guard him on offense now. Uh, they trade him for one of the Morris twins, which, you know, they didn't really think that much of them at Kansas and in the NBA that's just been kind of at. And so you get a Morris twin coming in, Henry Bradley going out. Olenek is going to Miami, making pretty good money. I think four years, $50 million for Kevin Olenek. And most people know him for, you know, that's wrestling who we put on Kevin Love a couple years ago. And he had a, he had some good games in the playoffs this year, but their roster looks a lot different. And, and like you said, I mean, the, the Morris, Morris isn't going to guard LeBron. Um, and the other big guy too went to Philly, Amir Johnson or something. I think he went to Philadelphia as well. So they're real thin when it comes to bigs, and they didn't really have anybody to guard LeBron before they even got thinner. 
four or five spots. Well, and, and here's where we are in the NBA, and we can bemoan super teams and all that kind of stuff. What the NBA has kind of become is if you don't have one of the, the five or six absolutely greats, if you don't have LeBron, uh, and I'm not even going to talk about what the uh, Warriors have because they've got uh, two of your top five guys, but if you don't have one of those guys, you're kind of to the point where it's like, let's get some folks on our roster so we can make a push for the next big free agent. And and that's kind of what it is. Like when you look at like what Miami is doing, I think they've done a fantastic job. Uh, and even my Lakers to some extent, it's let's manage our cap space uh, and, and get some pieces where we can lure one of the, the big, the big name guys, over that that's kind of where it is right now uh and and, and right or wrong that's you know it is what it is so you're in a position of just trying to make yourself look good and be competitive uh we talked about sacramento okay what is the thing is okay what is your game plan uh i know everybody says at the beginning of the year our goal is to win a championship okay yeah that sounds good but at some point you have to say, okay, we want to make the playoffs. We want to be in this range uh, for wins. We want to be able to uh, give our fans something they can latch on to. Because honestly, uh, and, the, and we talked about this before, the NBA has always been, always been, except for the crazy 70s, a top-heavy league. You can go every decade since George Mike and, and the Minneapolis Lakers, and there's like two teams that win all the championships in a particular decade. I mean, that's just how it is. But the NBA has grown because even though your team may not, you may not be a fan of the Cavs or uh, the Warriors, but man, you've still got a pretty entertaining product that you can go see, that you can watch. And I, and I think, we, we need to see more teams embrace that instead of outwardly tanking. Let's be competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. it, it's a salary cap. It's not a salary minimum. You don't have to blow your, your, your cap space, your money on people that aren't exciting. I mean, here we are. I'm genuinely excited to see some, some Kings games next year. You know, look, look at Minnesota. You know, they had a couple of three, four, five, six, eight down years, but you, you get cast. You, you get, I mean, you, you get wicked. Now that's a, and, and now, whoa, you look into Jimmy Butler without really giving up a whole lot, and that team, their fortunes have changed. So we can, we can kind of bemoan what the league has become, quote unquote, or you can see teams, it, it's really forcing. GMs and, and owners and presidents to be creative. Like your man in Houston, Morley. Is it Morley? Yeah, yeah, yeah Morley. Hey, yeah. Pull, pull the trigger on Chris Paul. I mean, why not? Take a little bit of initiative and show your fans, look, we've got a, a MVP-level guy in Harden, and we know that we used him to the point of physical exhaustion last year and, and got to 50-plus wins and, or, or what, whatever it was. 
you can sell your fans, hey, I know we gave up some stuff, but honestly, with this piece we got in Chris Paul, we can, we can close that gap. That's something you can sell to fans. And it's really not that crazy to even think about. I mean, you don't want to just say, hey, the, the Warriors are going to cruise through last year like they did. I mean, things happen, you know, what have you. But as a Houston fan, you can be excited because your team is showing you, hey, we're going to try to win. And if we need to get another super-duper star, let's do that. That's, a, that's an easy sell. So, and I, I think as long as the front office is showing we have a plan, we're not just, you know, you know, farting around, I, I think that's yeah. an easier sell to fans than let's tank, 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 and trust the process nonsense. That, that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm – and I don't try to be negative guy. I'm kind of anti-Philadelphia because we watch them just outwardly tank, tank, tank. And my thing is you shouldn't be rewarded for that. My thing mm-hmm. is, okay, if you draft somebody and it's a bust, okay, that happens. You sign a free agent that doesn't work out, that happens. But when you get to the point where you're not even trying to win ball games because you're building for the future, that, that's where you lose me. That, that, yeah. That's to the point where I'm just not – no, I, I can't. I can't buy into that. Um, yeah. So I've rambled enough about that, but that's where I'm coming from on the changing NBA uh, landscape. Yeah, yeah. And um, with the the moving and shaking from Detroit, Avery Bradley going there, Marcus Morris going to Boston, uh, they end up renouncing the rights. To the King Darius Conwell Pope, and we were familiar with him from his time at Georgia, and he became an unrestricted free agent, and he had a put together a nice career in Detroit, and he now is a member of your Los Angeles Lakers, which, if you look at it, he's got to be, I would think, an upgrade over Swaggy P, who is now in Golden State. Nobody really saw Pope play because he was in Detroit, Everybody knew Swaggy from acting the fool on SportsCenter on Bad Lakers team. But that's a solid <laughs> get. It's only a one-year contract. And then if Lincoln, Magic, and all those guys want to make a run at LeBron or whoever next year, well, they haven't, you know, committed long-term to hope. So, I mean. Well, I, I think at this point you could pretty much say it's a given. The Lakers are going to try to be movers and shakers in the in the twenty. 20- 18 uh, free agent market. I think that's just a, at this point, that's as, as sure as today is Wednesday. That That's what's going to happen. Uh, because as I've said before, the Lakers as a franchise, they they need a marquee player. That's that's how this, this team will never be a, a group of plucky underdogs trying to overcome. That's, that's not, at, at no point does that, does that buy into the Lakers' mindset? And I get that. So uh, I think they're going to come hard for, uh, you know, the guys in the next year's uh, off season. So, again, they, but they've got to make it – they know they can't sell just the name, the Lakers' name. You know, that, that I think that ship's kind of sailed a little bit. So you've got to say, look, we've got, we've got parts in place marquee free agent player X 
uh, come here and we can do, you know, X, Y, and Z. So I, I think you have to kind of go with that angle. And, you know, if it's a LeBron they're running at, if it's Paul George they're running at, you know, whoever it is, I think it's a pretty good situation. I, I, I you know, again, I've bemoaned the fact that my Lakers really have been rudderless. And I don't even, I don't even want to say handcuffed by Kobe. I, I, I don't want to get on that bandwagon because I don't even think that was the case. Uh, I just think poor management just kind of kept them, uh, you know, in the, the, the bottom of the, the, the rankings because you've got to be able to plan, even with Kobe on the roster, you've still got to be able to plan for post-Kobe and have a, a plan for that. You know, and they tried a little bit bringing in Steve Nash, bringing in Dwight Howard. We know how that went. Uh, but I think right now the Lakers actually have a cohesive plan on, on how to get back to the glory days. So, so I'm I'm very excited about uh, that signing. They're going to be fun to watch uh, for whatever you think about uh, Lonzo Ball and, and Lavar Ball. It's going to be fun and entertaining. I mean, that's if any if any franchise could uh, could have absorbed that circus, then. It's the Lakers, uh, and this, this whole ball thing has really put me in a mm-hmm. weird state. Being a Lakers fan and not really a ball fan, I'm in a weird state. Mm. And all this him not playing the other day. I mean, your thoughts? You think he was ducking the air socks or uh, in the summer league game the other day? What, what do you think? He just had triple dunk just the game before. I, look, guys get banged up. I understand that. But, and this is a weird thing, because I follow a lot of folks that are Lakers fans, a lot of folks you know, that aren't necessarily Kentucky fans, and this is what rubbed me the wrong way. I, I saw a lot of chatter about Ball doesn't need to play against Fox because you know Fox is kind of using him as a measuring stick or something like that. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> What are you talking about? You know, De'Aaron Fox is not some, you know, he's he's not coming from McNeese State, okay? He's right. a starting point guard at the University of Kentucky, okay? So he doesn't need to make his name off somebody else. That's number one, okay? Number two, ball went two, he went five. So it's not as if he was an undrafted free agent trying to make his name in the summer league, okay? Yeah. That. Let, let's pump our brakes on that. And the third point is he ate Lonzo Ball's lunch in both matchups. I know mm-hmm. UCLA won the first game, the Cats won, no. the, but we've all seen the numbers. Just just blew just blew him out of the water. What does my thing is Ball should want to get out there. He's got to his he and his crew, entourage, or whatever, have to know that he, he, at some point, the two of them will play head-to-head. And at some a lot. Point, and a lot. And at some point... In the, in the same he's, division. He's got, he's got to be able... Look, I'm not even saying that Lonzo needs to go out and outplay De'Aaron Fox. I'm saying, this is what I am saying, he's got to play him just even. Just play him even at this point. <laughs> Yeah. And, and and it's not about who's the better pro prospect or whatever. 
But in two of the biggest marquee games of last college basketball season, De'Aaron Fox ate his lunch. I mean, that, that, mm-hmm. you, you, can't, you, you can't get over that. And I get what some of the national folks are saying. You don't want to read too much into one or two games and this, that, and the other. Yeah. But this, is what yeah. I, this is what I do know. All right? You play basketball, I play basketball. I played basketball last night. Look, if the man you're guarding, and we play 24 by 4, if the man you're guarding is 10 or 12 points, <laughs> your teammates are going to have to say, look, dog, you got to go get him. Like, you've got to do something. And, you know, I understand it's a game five on five, but if your man is torching you, you've got to answer with something. And if I think the longer you kind of delay that day of reckoning, I, I, think, I think the better. But just in a basketball sense, you've got to be able to say, man, go get him. We've, we've all been there. I, I, either that, I get torched a lot. It's either – it's either go get him or it's like, hey, hey, you need to switch that up. <laughs> you need to you need to switch. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You get there and you just and you say to you, uh, you say, hey man, you good? You all right? <laughs> I mean, I mean I, I, yeah. Get to that point. And whosever decision it was to not have him play, the optics were just bad. It, it, it was just mm-hmm. bad, uh, and maybe I'm coming from the Kentucky perspective on this, but, uh, I mean, Fox ate at lunch in two games last yeah. year, head-to-head, and, 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 and has said, and De'Aaron Fox's father has said, you know, a little bit of extra motivation was to shut up the ball family. That's a, that's a <laughs> shots-fired situation that you've got to respond to. And, uh, like you said, he came off a triple-double, uh, you know he had a he had a sl- bad first game. Lonzo did. He came back for the triple double. That was a chance, I think, at least for him to say, you know what, I can beat that guy. Because what will happen is if the first matchup next year, if if Fox torches him again, uh oh. Mm-hmm. And like they go play a lot by NBA standards. They're in the same division. In Lakers and Kings. I mean, it's not like it's going to be twice a year because you're in Eastern and Western Conference. They're going to play as many times as possible in the regular season that's allowable because they're in the same division. You're talking about people uh, saying De'Aaron is trying to measure himself against Lonzo. I mean, if that was the case, that might have been the case in Rucker Arena when they played the first time. But now that's completely flip-flopped. trying should be reevaluating and trying to Step up his game to, like you said, at least play De'Aaron even or start winning those battles. And you say he doesn't have to outplay De'Aaron Fox. I would say Magic Johnson begs to differ, and other Laker fans besides you beg to differ if, if they're expecting him to hang a jersey and, you know, up there amongst the greats in the Raptors of the Staples Center. If he's going to do that, he's going to have to outplay the air more than he gets outplayed by the air or any other guard that he faces top guards in the rest of his career. And, and, and I hate reading into stuff, but mm-hmm. the, competitor in, the competitor in you has got to say, I got I to gotta beat this guy. Like, I, I, I want that challenge. And 
I, I don't know. I, I don't like reading into optics and all that kind of stuff. And it is just summer league. And you, like you said, at least for the next three or four years, they're going to play four or five times head-to-head, uh, four or five times a year head-to-head. So I get that. Yeah. But the, op- the optics were just bad. Yeah, the optics were just bad right there. Uh, but, man, Fox is looking great. Uh, I think kind of underrated in the summer session. I think Briscoe has looked real good. And, and Bam is shooting uh, like 80% from the uh, three free throw line and has looked really comfortable with his jump shot. Poitras has looked good uh, for the Phillies, uh, for, uh, Phillies uh, summer league team. So uh, a lot of blue uh, in, in Michelle uh, uh, for Cameron Mills. Ray has done a fantastic job compiling kind of a rundown every day of the summer league of stats yeah. and, 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 and good synopsis of what, what's been going on. So folks, check yeah. that out. Uh, but, but blue is everywhere. Absolutely. I'm going to hit this one last phrase with you, and then we'll take a quick break, work in some U.K. football, media day talk, and all that. But in the midst of our railing on the Kings consistently for years and months and ever since we know each other and talked about the NBA, uh, included in getting railed on was Rudy Gay. We talked about him last week. You mentioned him last week. Um, And the word always surrounding him was potential. What if, what if, what if? Athletic, going back to UConn. You went back to his UConn days. You went back to his NBA days. I mentioned him being... You mentioned the Grizzlies need an effective wing player to go along with Zebo and Gasol and Conley. And, you know, I, I called out Rudy Gay and Jeff Green because they were the two prominent wing players. You throw in Chandler Parsons now, okay, so they help me. But they were the two prominent wing players that weren't effective to maybe help them get on the hook. Now, Rudy Gay has signed with the San Antonio Spurs. It, Maybe a matchup that you wouldn't think would happen right off the bat. But if he's ever going to reach his potential, he's 30 years old, this is the situation to do it. I mean, this might be, I don't know if a blessing in disguise might not be right, but might be the best landing spot at the best possible time for Rudy Gay. Yeah, it, it, on its face, it, it's, I think it's a good thing. This is not typically a a pop move or R.C. Right. Buford move for the Spurs. It's a little – I think this is the answer to the Spurs challenging Golden State, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, the the Spurs historically, you know, the, the great 20-year run they had, or even more than that uh, – was was with a strong pro, post presence, with your old fashioned back to the basket. Okay, you know, pretty good run when you can go from Tim or from uh, uh, Dave Robinson to Tim Duncan. That's a pretty good one-two Hall of Fame, all-time great uh, punch. And and you know they thought that uh, Lamarcus Aldridge could do that. Okay, a little bit of difficulty there. Um. My thing is uh, they they saw what happened when uh, Kawhi went down 
they need another perimeter guy. I, I think this is a this is a high risk, high reward kind of situation. Because mm-hmm. if he can if he can finally mature, and that's some there's some ifs to that now. Uh, if he can finally mature and become that player that we all kind of been hinting at since his high school days, that's a solid pickup for the Spurs. Uh, because you don't necessarily have to depend on uh, Kawhi offensively and defensively. And, and don't get me wrong, the Spurs have some pieces, Danny Green and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I like it, but it just doesn't strike me as a Greg Popovich move. That's the, yeah. that's the one thing about that. I love it, but is this really the Spurs? I don't yeah. want to say it, it reeks of desperation, but it's, and it could be a change of philosophy. I don't. I don't know, but it just doesn't strike me as a typical Spurs move to bring Rudy Gay in. And that's why it's, it's crazy enough that it just might work. But then the one that I thought was can't miss was Lamarcus Aldridge, and that hasn't worked. You know, I mean, he was killing people in Portland, most notably my Rockets, and he go down here to get the torch past you from Tim Duncan. Like, man, this is gonna be perfect. He's gonna just destroy people, and it hasn't it hasn't panned out at all. If if Rudy's on his game, and I mean Ginobili's been old for years, because I mean there's another guy forty like Vince Carter. Uh, I don't know if they're you know trying to 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 get another wing player because you know money has continued been on the downside for a while. You got the. Uh, Simmons and Deadman and, and those guys that, you know, uh, they, they did well against Houston as well. But I don't know if it's trying to solidify that. But, I mean, if you see it, if he's on his game opposite Kawhi Leonard, that could be pretty nasty. Because we know he's athletic as all get out, so is Leonard. Uh, like you say, it's high risk, high reward. If you're looking at it, you know, depending on which route you get, that's what's going to determine if this move succeeds or fails. Right, and, and, and I just I don't usually you don't usually see uh, the Spurs making that move. I mean, they brought guys in, but you, I just never really thought that that was gonna that was gonna work. Or I, I just it didn't seem like it's going to work. And it might work, and they might really challenge. Uh, uh, Golden State, but, but it's one of those things. Which Rudy Gay are you going to get? And I just don't see Pavic usually hitching up his wagon uh, to that type of situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll take another quick break. On the other side, I'm still going to work some Harlan County into the show. And we have to hit this win loss record for UK and talk about throwing up the good vibes circulating from Hoover, Alabama. This is episode 140, Cat Talk Wednesday, Benny Hardy, Tay Brown, Brandon Hardy Radio Network, right back. Just a couple minutes, y'all. Question that I'm questioning on your best friend. 
talking about Tough Talk Wednesday. Penny Hardy, Terry Brown. Having another fun Wednesday evening. Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. Got to hit a little SEC football. Before we do that, I worked from Harlan County into the show. We had former U.K. baseball coach Keith Madison on a few weeks ago, uh, actually right before the Super Regional or the, the regional in Lexington, where it was Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, North Carolina State. Uh, that's when we had him on to kind of preview that and how excited everybody was to pack Cliff Hagen Stadium um, to see see the tournament there. Um, but while we were talking with him, we were talking about his career coaching, um, the 88 team that had – come just a hair away from beating Stanford and making it to the College World Series then. Uh, and it was cool getting to learn about that team because we were really young when that team was playing. Uh, he talked about how Coach Ben Jones, and you touched on it, was not an act. How gracious Coach Ben Jones has been uh, in his interactions with Coach Madison. Uh, so we got to kind of that dynamic as well, how proud he is. You ask him about how proud he is of the work that he put in, uh, having assistant coaches who were being paid part-time. He had opportunities to coach elsewhere where he didn't have to be a fundraiser in addition to being a coach, and he didn't do that. And he also talked about how he kind of gives back, and that's kind of what I wrote an article about on CarolinaMillsRadio.com. Uh, and some of the places where he goes and has outreach camps and programs for kids that don't have a lot of opportunities, one of those places that he's gone to for years is Harlan County, where, I, where I'm from. Uh, knows a lot of people there. He mentioned Tom Vecini by name, who was at one time the mayor of Lynch, Kentucky, where I grew up at. Um, talks about how he knows Freddie Maggard. And coming up on the 17th, Monday, the 17th through the 21st, they're having the outreach camp at Harlan County. All kinds of things are going on. They're having, of course, you know, meeting with the coaches and the athletes at the high school. Uh, Coach Madison, Freddie Maggard, Mike Pratt, and Kyle Macy are all going to be down in Harlan County. Uh, so that's going to be cool. They're going to meet with Coach Treach, the Harlan County football coach that we've had on the show uh, several times. Uh, there's a block party that they're going to have in Harlem. There's medical screenings uh, that are happening up in Benham. All kinds of things involved. Several, several different events makes up for just a great thing that he's doing uh, for all the communities from, from where I'm from. Kids who might not have an opportunity to meet a former coach like himself, kids who have heard Mike Pratt on the radio with Tom Leach. They've never met Mike Preach. Mike Pratt, never been to Rupp Arena, uh, and gotten to, to maybe run across them or meet them down in Lexington. Heard their parents talk about Kyle Macy. Now they get to see Kyle Macy. Um, maybe remember him when he was the coach at Moorhead State, which is now Transylvania. So all of this is happening Monday, starting Monday the 17th through uh, the 21st, and it's, it's really cool. So I wrote an article about it, um, put some links into it for more information. Go to Score I Intel, Score International, scoreintl.org. Um, so, you know, his hat off to Coach Madison and everything he's doing. 
as well as those guys. Freddie, of course, from Harvard County, and always gives back. Uh, he goes back for the Passing with a Purpose camp that uh, Coach Creech has for the football team every summer. Uh, but Mike Pratt and Kyle Mason are going and making a trip this year too. So it's just it's just a great job by all of them and everybody involved. That's great. Like like you said, it, it's not an act with a lot of these guys. We kind of we hear when we talk about coaches, uh, molders of young men, molders of young women. But we have been really fortunate, particularly in the baseball program, to have coaches that really kind of abide by that. It's Coach Madison giving back. Even if it is to Harlan, <laughs> and <laughs> that, that, that's uh, that, that, that's that's fantastic, and it's a great piece. And you know, I'll definitely be sure to to, to tweet your piece out. But that no, that's a that's a fantastic, uh, fantastic situation and event that's going to be taking place. Absolutely, and just depending on what's what's going on, because you can be a lot of different places, but. Uh, if he's able to call in next Wednesday uh, while the event's going on, kind of just, you know, give us a little update and, you know, tell us about how the interaction is and what all they've got to do there. Maybe get him to call in next Wednesday, too, just give a little little brief report from Harlan County while the Harlan County Outreach Festival is going on. So we'll see if we can get that worked out uh, in addition to that Seneca representation next Wednesday. But uh, thanks again to Coach Madison uh, for messaging back and forth, you know, getting the information, uh, get all my ducks in a row for the article and kind of get the word out about it. In addition to Harlan County, it's also open. The invitation is extended to the, the kids and athletes in Letcher County, Letcher County borders Harlan, uh, Whitesburg, Jenkins, um, Neon, towns like that. So kids are able to come on over. They're welcome. The invitation is extended to everyone in Letcher County also. And I put that kind of at the tail end of the article. So Harley County, home folks, and Letcher County neighbors, uh, hopefully y'all can all partake and enjoy everything that's going on starting Monday and next week. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, football, man. Interesting media days. Kentucky went today. And they were down there in all the craziness because Nick Saban in Alabama also went today, held in Hoover, Alabama at the Winfrey Hotel. I've been to the Winfrey, haven't been during SEC media days, but it's a stone's throw away from all the Alabama fans, so they always turn out and show out. And in addition to all the media that is there from every different school, radio stations from all over SEC, you know, all the Alabama fans in there just want a glimpse of Nick Saban and the three players from Alabama that are coming through, making a round, all the radio stations and all the media guys. So uh, Coach Stoops and company were in the midst of all of that uh, insanity today. But there was just, and has been, uh, ever since, you know, turning things around last season and capping it off by – making your pick correct by beating Louisville, the positive vibes, the recruiting has continued to be there. You know, Coach Stoops recruiting like crazy. You know, in Ohio, we see them going toe-to-toe with Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and, and holding their own. Coach Stoops and Coach Merrow, they ain't scared. And we've seen these 
you know, better players come in, and then you have a season like you had, and, and you know, you get to the point where you can recruit, 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 but eventually those recruits are like, well, you ain't winning, so, you know, they're not going to continue to come. So that picture of the Louisville just added to that recruiting momentum. Um, a lot of good picks and a lot of high praise coming from various different sources. Uh, Burger McFarland, you know, has Kentucky as a dark horse in the SEC. Uh, Tom Hart, who you and I have both seen and, and ran into when we got in the cover game. Uh, he's going to be doing the Saturday night primetime SEC games that I play by play for playing Brent Musburger. He said on Knoxville Radio on Josh Ward and Will West show, we had both of those guys on. Tom Hart said, and I quote, I feel like Kentucky deserves to be picked ahead of Tennessee. So he's kind of picking Kentucky third in the East. Uh, a lot of people expecting Tennessee to kind of drop back in Kentucky to have a good chance to surpass them, just like they've already surpassed South Carolina, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. you got to keep them behind you, but they have a chance to kind of leapfrog another traditional SEC big boy. Uh, Cole Kubelik, the lineman that played for Auburn, same thing, a lot of high praise for Kentucky and what they're doing. Jordan Rogers, Aaron's brother, he's going to be on the SEC broadcast with Tom Hart. Same thing, you know, just good vibes, positive words, you know, about the Cats, about the job Coach Stoops is doing. Um, and it's good to hear, you know, even the national radio down here. You know, begrudgingly, it's kind of giving respect. A lot of times, Kentucky just dismissed. That's Kentucky and Vanderbilt down in the cellar fighting it out. And we know that's been the case for a lot of years. But I've mentioned it several times. In 98, I went with my cousin to Tennessee, Alabama, in Leland Stadium, and I'm wearing Kentucky stuff. Tennessee's in route to an undefeated national championship season, but they were looking at Kentucky as, uh-oh, a, a threat, a team to not be overlooked when we were still playing back at the end of November. Kentucky's kind of getting back to that again, where you're not a laughing stock, you're not a joke. Teams and fans of other teams take you seriously based on, you know, the work you've done on the field. They see Kentucky stepping it up in recruiting. And so now Kentucky has to, you know, play the part, you know, uh, Talked about a couple wins that slipped through last year, that the Georgia game um, stands out. Uh, so you just keep grinding at it, and, and, you know, you keep having to earn every little ounce of respect you're going to get in the SEC, and that's the only way to do it. You know, keep working at it and, and keep winning games that you normally find ways to lose. Well, and, and that's what I was going to touch on. Uh, it, it hasn't been a situation where uh, you see what's kind of going on at Ole Miss from who to really, really good to your, the NCAA investigators are on your tail. Uh, and, you know, I'm not, here, I'm not here to throw stones. What, what I'm saying is we've seen a progression. Mm-hmm. And, and, and company, there have been some bumps in the road with this. I mean, Keep in mind, and I think this gets overlooked, 
Kentucky finished four and four in the SEC. And how long ago has it been since Kentucky finished five at just within at five hundred in the SEC? It's been a it's been a long time. So to me, that's progress. Again, and you can and, and the naysayers want to look at the Southern Miss game last year. Okay, there's nothing anybody can do about that game right now. But that game, Georgia game, and even Tennessee, you know, one touchdown, just getting one of those kind of deep drives in the Tennessee territory and, you know, get a touchdown, I think it's a different game. So you can feel the momentum. It's not so much where you can say, I hope we can play with these guys. It's we know we can, we just have to execute. And that's a totally different mindset. We've talked about it before, and, and, and Anthony White, when he was on, brought it up. We're developing a plays. We're developing a mindset that, look, the offense knows we can run on this defense. That totally changes. It's not I hope I can or I think I can. It's I know we can. And we saw that confidence manifest itself at Louisville, defeating the 28-point favorites, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, all that kind of stuff. Again, you can build off that because it has been a progression. And and the recruiting really hasn't suffered as much as you would think. It's actually improved because people – I think people can see – that this, this sleeping beast, this sleeping giant, is finally waking up. I'm ready to be all in. Now, we're to the point, recruiting classes, all that stuff is good. Now the Cats have to make, which I think is an even tougher step. You know, getting to 500 in the SEC <laughs> was a big step for Kentucky. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But now you're at that point where teams see Kentucky on the schedule Hey man, we have got to bring it, and 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 that is a huge step to get that week in week out preparedness. Now, with that being said, as Kentucky gets better, they're not going to sneak up on people. You know, I think that we've lost. You know, going into Athens, I think we've lost that element of surprise. I I, I, I don't think the Bulldogs are going to take Kentucky lightly. You know, I, so. Now that you've got everybody's attention, that next step from what you might call mediocre to above average, that next step, that's where you have to make your mark. And that's what the focus has to be for this team is, okay, Louisville is not going to take you lightly anymore. Okay, that, we, we, we flipped that. Other teams know what we're capable of doing. And we, we, we heard folks last year talk about how tough Kentucky played from start to finish. Okay, keep playing hard, make fewer mistakes, boom. You know, that's how your 4-4 four and four conference record goes to 5-3. and three. And, you know, if you're, if you're sitting at 5-3, and three, getting to 6-2, and two, which the way the East is now, 6-2 and two gets you to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not trying to put that – I'm not trying to put that burden on the football program, but when you look at some of the uninspiring, uh, and this happens in every conference, where one 
uh, division, one side of the conference kind of top-heavy versus the other, there's been a litany, and that's a college word for you, a litany of SEC Eastern teams (laughs) as the West is going to run. I mean, Missouri, yeah, they made it back-to-back years, but, I mean, did, did they have any sizzle to them? So six and two will get you to Atlanta. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I, I, like I said, I don't want to put that burden on them, but I don't necessarily think it's crazy talk. When you look at, at the schedule, and like I said, four and four could have been, you know, I know coulda, shoulda, woulda, but could have been six and two last year. And that's factoring in the woeful performance at Florida. You know, this going from last year to this year, you don't need to talk yourself into seven wins. You can you can see seven wins. Now you've got to talk yourself into eight, maybe nine wins. That's yeah. the difference. And again, that's the big that's now this is that this is that heavy lifting. Uh, particularly when you're at a program that doesn't have that rich championship caliber history like Kentucky football doesn't. Uh it it, it takes a while to make that leap and, and get welcome to the big boy table. Can they, can we do it? Absolutely. But you know, it, it's that point games aren't won with recruiting rankings. You got to go out and do it. That's it. That's it. Um, I got schedules. This, I mean, you talk about setting up nicely. Like you mentioned this schedule, man, um, Game by game, well, you know, to do this win loss thing like we normally do, and of course the big one, you know, everybody's been waiting all summer because the way we started out blowing them out last year at home, you know, at Kroger Field up thirty-five to ten, just run them off the field, and then of course the second half happened, and and things just went the other direction, but Southern Miss. At Southern Miss, down in Hattiesburg, home of Brett Favre, Brett Favre, as they said when he got drafted. Um, and I, I wrote a piece about it. We had Jeff Okoro on and asked him about it. That was the one thing I wanted to ask him. You know, you're motivated already, but you also can maybe feel like you get too big for your britches because you were the team that broke through and ended the streak of not going to a bowl game. Of course, didn't win the bowl game, and, you know, bowl games or whatever, you know, who's interested, who's not. Georgia Tech was weird, funky. But you broke through, no more 5-7, five 5-7. And seven, five and seven. You broke through, made it to a bowl game. If you wanted to get too big for your britches, the coaches can bring you down to earth quickly because, look, look, you, you know who we played right at the start of the season. You know what happened in the second half after we were blowing them out, right? So if, if that's not going to keep you grounded, I don't think nothing will. I think they can't wait to get down there and this time finish what they started. They they know what they were capable of doing, getting up three and a half touchdowns on them. This time you go to Southern Miss and you play a 60-minute game and you kind of – get you some payback for what happened last year. So I think we're starting off one and oh with a win at Southern Miss. I, I, I got them one and oh because here's here's what they know. And 
Steven Johnson is the man. I, I, I know um, the quarterback situation, it, it, it's good to have a lot of talented guys because, as we saw last year, your QB1 can go down. But Steven Johnson, we know what he can do. But here, and this is, this is the difference. When you look at, and, and this can be universally applied, obviously, but when we have been really, really good, Kentucky, I mean, it's because we've had guys in the backfield that can grind out yards. I'm talking your Mo Williams. I'm, you know, I, I just think that um, if, let's say, things don't get off to a great, great start, hey, we got Benny Snell Jr., Give him the rock and let him do work. It's going to be a little different with Boom not being back there. I, I get that. But yeah. I'm, look, I'm looking for Benny Snell to get 1,200, 1,300 yards or more this year. Uh, so it, you, everybody knows the quarterback's best friend is a, one, a running game. I think if there's any shakiness at all, the offensive line, which should be stellar, I know we lost, but they should be stellar. I think we grinded out. I think 1-0, we beat Southern Miss. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The next game is uh, Eastern Kentucky. Uh, of course, remember the last time they were in Commonwealth? I think, well, you, were you covering that one? It was way closer than it should have been. Uh, were you in the box for that one? Uh, yeah, I believe I believe I believe so. That was a little uncomfortable with that game, but <laughs> I, I think I, <laughs> I, 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 like, I think the cats. Yeah, I, I think the cats pull that out. I think we get to two and up. This is the Dean Hood game. You know, of course, you know he coached EKU. He's the one that came in and almost beat Kentucky. He's not about to let that happen. Uh, of course, he's not playing. I know that, but uh, I think it'll be quite a bit more comfortable this time around. So two and zero after you take care of the Colonels. And this brings up the first SEC game on the road in Columbia, and this will be. Going for the fourth year in a row of beating South Carolina. I think he has beaten them twice at home and then one down there. So he's going for four in a row. They're going to be better. This is year two under Will Muschamp. They uh, played better towards the second half of the season. Um, They made it to a bowl, I believe, and and beat Tennessee when nobody thought that was going to happen. So they kind of got some momentum themselves in the second half of the season. But, you know, where Coach Stoops has finally gotten his program to through a lot of scratching and clawing and, and tough times, he's at a better place than Muschamp is in year two. Uh, so they'll be improved. It'll be tough. They're one to end this streak because they've been losing to Kentucky. But uh, the Kentucky goes down there on the road. And like you said, it's kind of a little bit of a culture. You're used to beating South Carolina now. It's not a surprise, like, when you knocked them off with uh, when they had Lattimore and, and with uh, Joker and Spurrier. It's kind of becoming, hey, you know, we're just supposed to beat them. So I 
continue that. And we're, all, we're already off to a three and zero start, TV. Just you know, like everybody says, this schedule sets up nice. It really does. Yeah, I, I think three zero as well. I know it's on the road, um, but man, I, I love the confidence that these guys have. And you, you go out. Uh, and let's say you've handled Southern Miss, you've handled Eastern Kentucky, and now you got to be licking your chops. That yeah, you got to start your conference season on the road, but South Carolina, a team that you know you're better than. Uh, yeah, I take my chances. I give them a three and zero. Absolutely. Um, and trying to look at this objectively, I always do. You know, even though you're a Kentucky fan, you want to win every game, regardless of sport, when it comes to picking wins and losses, you know, uh, I try to be objective, even in the tournament. I want them to win the NCAA tournament every year in basketball, but I don't always pick them. We have, we have that conversation every March. I mean, this is it's still this is new territory for us. It hasn't happened in a while. When you look at a schedule, and say Kentucky can be in and win every single game. Now, you know, you have highs and lows. You have some players playing great, some position groups playing great, and others are playing horrible. You have games where you play flawless. You have games like in Florida last year where everything goes wrong. Now, we got to factor that in. It's hard to do just sitting here talking. But it's going to be a juggling act. We know this. Uh, it's going to be games where the running game is, is not working and you know, Stephen Johnson's going to have to do the passing game and vice versa. It's going to be games where everything is clicking. Legitimately, we can tell you, you start out 10-0. Now, we know that might not happen, but and it's not, it's not blowing smoke and talking crazy to say that when you look at your schedule. Like you mentioned, 6-2 can get you to Atlanta, Florida is living proof of that, but Florida's offense has been pitiful, even though they've won the East. And Jim McElwain is an offensive guy, and he still hasn't gotten Jim to where they're just putting up a lot of points. Um, so, I mean, like I said, it's, I just said that again to just say the schedule sets up. I mean, Kentucky, to sit here and say, Kentucky can reel out 10 straight. Before you know, at Georgia and Louisville, it's nice. I, I say we go four and zero. The streak has to end one of these years, just like the Tennessee streak. Two out of these last three or three out of these last four games for Florida have been close. The, the thirty-six thirty game down there, the fourteen nine game at Commonwealth the following year. Kentucky's been right there. And it's the game that we talk about. You got to learn how to win those games that's slipping away. Uh, and that's what happened. Last year, of course, was a disaster. But this year, back at home, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to pick up and beat Florida. 4 0. Yeah, uh, I definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, with, with 4 0 with Florida. Uh I'm I'm really uh, I'm I'm excited about that game because as you said, they, we had some close ones and and I don't even know that was one of those games last year where it's just the wheels came off. I mean, uh, Barker wasn't healthy, Johnson wasn't ready, and we didn't really have that identity. Uh, so just a lot going on. 
Um, so I'm going to go, yeah, Cats get to 4-0. and I'm with you. Yeah. And step out of conference on September the 30th for Eastern Michigan. Um, don't know much about them. Those schools can be pretty decent. But I'm going to say 5 0. You know, now, now it's to the point where you're rolling. And you got momentum, you got belief. You don't want to have a letdown after knocking off Florida and storming the field, storming Kroger Field, the first storming in the history <laughs> of Kroger Field. Um, <laughs> but I, I say they, 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 you know, the coaches give you 24 hours to enjoy this one, and they'll, they'll get themselves back out of the clouds and handle business against Eastern Michigan. So, five of yeah, I mean, I can see that as well. Eastern Michigan is that is that Earl Boykins, the Fighting Earl Boykins is, I think. Uh, Eastern Michigan. Uh, there you go. It all comes back to basketball, but yeah, five and zero. Oh, it, it, it sounds crazy looking at that and and saying five and zero, oh, but I mean, I mean, Florida. Okay, I get it because it's been you know eighty years in a row or what have you. But it's, you're not talking crazy talk. And that's the, that's where we are as a program. Now, you know, they can come out and crap the bed and go two and three and really kind of be disheartening, but I, 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 I'm not feeling that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know either. It, it feels weird even talking the way we're talking just because, you know, we know the history, that we've seen the improvement, yet we know the track record and the history. It feels like you said we have to talk ourselves into some wins, but I'm still, I'm still being objective. I'm not just homer picking right now. Um, October seventh, Missouri at home. When I talked about them, they got a lot of offense coming back. You know, big time quarterback, receiver, and running back. They got a big three they can take them out to deal with. But I'm gonna go five and zero over Missouri. You know. Everybody's getting better, but so is Kentucky. And this is a team that you have to keep down. You got to keep them below you. You, you don't don't let them pass you back. Yeah, uh, I, I think the gap is pretty wide. Uh, we talked about this at the time. Uh, you know, bringing up uh, friend of the show, Matt May who is the assistant SID for football as well as being the main SID for uh, baseball, just talking to him because he was there for that Missouri game, and he was like, it was it was not even remotely. It looked bad on TV, he said, but it was just he something he had never seen. I think I had not seen in a long time. We we manhandled Missouri like it was like how we used to get made. I mean, it was not even remotely. I know they tacked on some some touchdowns, but it was just that's where we started to see that Benny Snell running up the middle, three or four straight plays. You know he's gained like twenty five yards, and it's just yeah. yeah. I, will we be able to do that again? I don't think so, but I, I do think the the Cats get to five and zero. And there were several games. You know, Freddie Maggard pointed out on Twitter that. 
Kentucky had opponents right there on the edge to where they were ready to blow them out. They had Mississippi State right there ready to just run them off the field, turn over Mississippi State, scoop and score. Vanderbilt right on the edge of just blowing them out, pick six, turnover. You know, my John, uh, Johnson might have fumbled. They pick it up and run it in and, and get themselves back in the game. To your point, this is a game where they actually blew them out. Could have blew them out worse, but this was a blowout that, hey, <laughs> ran them off the field, and this was on the road. Um, SEC road wins are tough regardless of where the teams are in the uh, taking order. We see Kentucky rise up and play teams tough, you know, even when they haven't been that good, you know, and, and then the superior team is, you know, good, glad to get out of the Commonwealth with a win. But this one, Kentucky did actually blow Missouri out. So that was good to see. And hopefully they can, you know, cut down on turnovers and, like you say, the running game, put them in a position to wear teams down and, and separate even more. Uh, there's going to be plenty of close games, but if you can have a few where you can deliver some KOs early, earlier in the fourth quarter and, and not rely on field goal kicks at the end, you know, all for that. Um, if they're going to drop one, to me the next one would be it at Mississippi State. So however you got a bye week after that Missouri win, one, two, three, four, five, we got them six and oh, then you have a bye week before Mississippi State. If you had Mississippi State without a bye week, I'd be kind of inclined even more to maybe pick this one as a loss where you stub your toe and have a bad game. This is our traditional rival from, from the Western Division. It's always a physical game. It's always tough down there in Cowbell Village. Uh, they've come to UK and won some games. Your boy Anthony Davis, Anthony Dixon ran wild that year, and Kentucky was good. Um, you know, they are, they're just they're not Alabama physical, but you you know you've been in a game when you play Mississippi State. That's always the case. Uh. They're not supposed to be good, but I, I think, you know, this is the one maybe head scratching. You stub your toe and you drop one on the road at Starkville to Mississippi State. So I'm going to pick the Bulldogs, even though at this point I'm going to say they have no business beating Kentucky. But I think they might pull the upset. And they might. It, it's tough. It's Starkville. It's the Cowbell. It may be that time where uh, you get to five and zero, six and zero. Hopefully, and, and, and you're, you're, maybe you're getting a little too full of yourself. Uh, but with yeah. that bye week, man, it, it, it's it's tough. But yeah, Mississippi State is a tough place to play. So, uh, oh. I hate to agree with you, but I'm, I'm kind of thinking that maybe that's the the one where they trip up because uh, mm-hmm. definitely that's one of those things where you can you can really see uh, okay that's 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 the one. So I'll go with the at Mississippi State kind of being a close one that we that we uh, that the cats drop. So they are. Six and one now, three and one in the SEC. And these last few minutes of us finishing up the schedule goes past eight o'clock. Catch it on the podcast 
at blindtalkradio.com slash cash talk. The law still refocuses them, gets them right to bounce back and knock off a Tennessee team that has lost a ton. Thank God Josh Dobbs is gone. I ain't afraid to say it. He ran circles around Kentucky for four straight years. I remember sitting there in the first row, I think his freshman year, he had a twisted ankle, and he was still avoiding sacks and getting around the edge on the defense and racking up yards. So you don't have to worry about him because now he's a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. They lost a lot of good guys on defense, too. Gary Barnett broke Reggie White's sack record. So and it's not just me. There's a lot of the media types down there in Hoover. Tennessee lost some all-time greats in a year where they should have won it down SEC East last year and didn't get it done. And they lost all-time greats. So who's stepping in to replace these players and how quickly do they adjust and and get used to being a starter in the SEC? So I think this is the bounce-back game for Kentucky. Thanks to lose Ole Miss, but you forget all about it when you knock off Tennessee the following week to get to seven and one. Man, I'd have to look at the stats. We're getting wins over Florida and Tennessee. You know, how far back mm-hmm. do you have to go to get that? That yeah. is that is pretty. Woo. Uh, and, wow. and, and Tennessee will come to Lexington after having played in Tuscaloosa the week before. Now, you know how it is when, when teams play the UConn women, if, you know, I think if you beat them or, like, if you beat them, you lose your next game. If you play them, you go on to lose. Same thing when you play Alabama. You are in a funk for a week or two. So Tennessee will have to go to Tuscaloosa, no bye week, the very next week, come to Lexington. So that's another reason that you can kind of maybe be more inclined to pick that. Well, yeah, because, well, Alabama has beaten Tennessee like a like Tennessee used to beat us. Just you're in your Alabama beat a lot of people like that. But, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think they beat Tennessee. I, I got no, I got no problem jumping on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, November fourth, Ole Miss comes to town. Now, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna be good. Still, they got a lot going on. Uh, a lot of them still say that they will have the ability to put up points. Um, they got a lot of sanctions coming. Not gonna have postseason. It just depends on what kind of season they've had. Are they are they playing good or are they just taking a bunch of losses and just having melted in at this point? Or are they saying the regular season are our bowl games and, you know, we're trying to, you know, mess things up for everybody else. Uh, so they could be better than we think they ought to be considering all the drama they got going on. <laughs> Add to the fact that Houston Nuts has sued them today for drama dating back to when he was there. And, oh, they just happened to be going to Hoover tomorrow to speak and had to face the media and now have to be asked, answering questions about this lawsuit from Houston Nets. So, I mean, the 
the topic of that is just hilarious. But I'll just drop this out here right before Coach Freeze and company hit the stage tomorrow. So, you know, needless to say, like you mentioned, doing great, a lot of recruiting, next thing you know, investigations. And that's what's happening with Ole Miss. Um, I think Kentucky will go ahead and beat them uh, to go to 8-1. and one. It might be a little tougher than we think, but at this point, Kentucky's rolling, and, and they don't have a whole lot to play for except for so Kentucky will beat Ole Miss. Yeah, I, I think Ole Miss, it's going to go off the rails. They've got that cloud hanging over them. They've lost a lot of folks. Uh, it, I, I just, when you got the NCAA vultures still hovering around your program, it's probably going to be tough to focus by the time you get to November. Uh, mm-hmm. If they can, great. If not, uh, I'd like to see the Cats go ahead and pick up a pick up a victory. Absolutely. Um, so that has um eight and one, yeah. Heading down to Vanderbilt, like you know, the same type of game as Missouri. But Vanderbilt's a little better than Missouri, especially on defense. But you have beaten them a couple times. Don't want to let them pass you. It'll be tough to win down there. And they do like last year. They'll kind of get it going in the second half too. Vanderbilt won at Georgia last year, so that you know that kind of got them turned around, um, and they went to a bowl game as well. They're not going to be a pushover, but I think Kentucky will find a way to grind that one out as well. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in in the loss category. Uh, Vanderbilt, I think. And it's not just, you know, last year, but historically, for especially for, for Kentucky, Vanderbilt's been a tough place to play. You know, there's been lots of stretches. We've been one or two of their only wins on the season. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough one. I, I think the, the Cats probably get tripped up a little bit uh, in this matchup. But, man, it, it pains me to say it, but, but I, I, think, I think Vanderbilt trips up the Cats. That gets them to two losses. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that could very easily be the case. Um, but I will, I will have them tripping up the following week at Georgia because it's just, I mean, between the heads is tough. Georgia's still very talented. Still, uh, Florida's picked to win the East. I think they will. They will slip up and lose to uh, to Georgia to get that second loss. We're flip-flopped here. I, I think they can go down to Georgia and win uh, because it, I think it's safe to say that even with Kirby Smart, you don't know what Georgia team you're going to get. I think Georgia always preseason, man, they look great. And they've got talent coming back and and whatnot, but Georgia, just historically, they lose an awful lot of games that you're th- that are head scratcher games. And if they've dropped a couple, you know they've lost to Florida this this year. Or they've done some other. Where's the team mindset going to be? 
And I know it'll probably be a night game between the hedges, but I think at that point you're looking because that's going to be the last SEC game. I think that the Cats will be in the mix for the SEC championship for the SEC Eastern Division championship, and I think that will be the deciding factor. If they're sitting at five and two, yeah, five and two. And, and Georgia, I, I, man, man, if they're sitting at five and two going to Georgia, I for some reason I like my chances. I really, really do. And Kentucky, this all hinges on, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here, I've got them nine and two. This all hinges on Kentucky defensive line jailing and exceeding expectations. Because uh, once again, they are thin, just like last year, and that was before uh, you had this, the dismissal. Uh, I think that Monte Bell got dismissed. Um, yeah, and that they they these a lot have to show up. If they're getting gassed and and can't slow anybody down and you know worn down and don't have enough bodies, then all of this nine and two, of course, isn't going to happen. But I'm I'm hoping it does, and they find a way to to mask that weakness or that deficiency, which is hard to do in the SEC. Uh, but just being real, that D line is what we're what we're predicting. That would mean that that D line is balling, <laughs> and they found a way. Is all I'm saying. Oh yeah, that's that's kind of where we are. I mean, uh, this this is if everybody's kind of reaching their potential and, and bringing it week after week, yeah. obviously. But yeah. I, I think they go down to to, to Georgia and, and win. And then we got the finale against Louisville. And I'm sitting here now surprised that I've got them going 10-2. And, and I know they could have won nine last year. I, I know they were, nine was there. Louisville at home, Lamar out for redemption. Great. Hmm. Uh, uh. Well, I hate I hate to cut you off, but this is this this matchup on November the twenty fifth. I okay. In my dream scenario, you're you're going to potentially have well, you are going to have the defending uh, or, or the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. I. I I haven't really looked at how Louisville's going to do, but let's say they're contending in the ACC. Is it Coastal or Atlantic? I don't know how their divisions go, but whatever. And if the Cats have gotten to 6-2 and two in the East, and we know that they are going to Atlanta, or they have been in the thick of things, and Louisville has been in the run in ACC, this matchup has an awful lot of sizzle to it, right? This is, I think this is going to be the matchup that's really going to elevate the football rivalry to basketball heights. 
Because if Steven Johnson's able to, to kind of put together a season, like we saw, you know, kind of, kind of expand on that, improve on what he's able to do, and, and the Cats are winning, you know, both teams come in with maybe eight or nine wins. This becomes must-see TV. This becomes a game that your casual fans are going to watch and your diehards are going to pay attention to. This, this game is going to have a lot of sizzle because you're going to have that redemption storyline. You're going to have, you know, now the, the cats are, are trying to move to that next level. So there's a lot to – there's going to be – ESPN folks are going to love this matchup, I think, to, to be honest with you. I, I think it's going to become one of those go-to matchups. And that is why I say the Governor's Cup will call Lexington home for the second straight year. Uh, I, I, I feel it. I'm excited about it. I think – I think they do it. And as bad as I want to agree, maybe I should agree, but I will disagree. And disagree and still finish nine and three. And if you're going to ask me, would I would I deal with them? Lost a little. If it means beating Florida and Tennessee in the same year, I will. And I can tell you, lost a little last year. Maybe I would. But it's the gap. Is, they're closing the gap uh, with Louisville. They're proving that. Uh, I don't. I don't know if they can get that trifecta, the Florida, Tennessee, Louisville trifecta. Um, but if you split Florida, Tennessee. Georgia and Louisville, two and two in those four. That's pretty good. So I, I will, I will pick the cards in the finals finale, and that will have Kentucky nine and three, Kentucky two in the league. I, you know, I got them, uh, man. I, 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 and that's the thing. You can talk yourself into a lot of things here, but I'm feeling, yeah, and, and admittedly. I'm not really going – I'm not like our good friend Freddie Maggart, and I'm not going line by line, position by position. But we got to be Louisville because I live here. I live here in Louisville, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I even hope Lamar wins it, wins the Heisman Trophy next year, as long as we beat him. I mean, that's, that's, that's where, I, where I've been that's, – that's kind of where I'm coming from on this. Got to beat him. Hope to beat them. I think they will. In 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 ten and two, that is a jump. That is a jump. Wow. So you got ten and ten and two. Uh, what's your SEC record for? Six and two. Uh, six six and two. Six and two in SEC. Okay. And then you just got to win it all four non-conference games. I got a six and two and just dropping the Louisville game, but that's here we are. There you have it, folks. T V and VHs, UK football picks. So uh we shall see. We shall see. If a two game improvement, a three game improvement, it's it's not completely just, you know, out of real possibility. So uh they're going out and doing it is the hard thing, but they, they can go out and, and really do this. 
I, I think I don't think it's really out of the uh, realm of possibility. Uh, honestly, no. I, I don't. I don't think I've reached uh, to to kind of get there. I mean, they and they may it may be eight and four, it may be nine and three, but still, I, I right. honestly think they're they move in the right direction. I, I, I'm and saying ten and two, but I'm not going to say, oh my goodness, uh, you know, they don't get to ten wins. This is this is terrible. Right, right. Man, that's episode one forty. Fun as always. We had a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and uh, ended it with our one last prediction for UK football. So, man, another fun show. Enjoyed every minute of it. Can't wait till next week, and uh, hopefully, it all just falls into place perfectly with you being TV with Homer Brown, and then we can talk some Seneca history, and I can be enlightened totally. Oh, I'm I'm absolutely uh, excited about that. Great show! Thanks everybody for listening, Vinny. You've been you've been uh, uh, you've been holding it down, man. We've we've been doing this for a while. Another good show, man. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate you being willing to do it. That means a whole lot. Both of us have done the show by ourselves from time to time, and we do it. But it's a heck of a lot easier and a lot more fun when. You were there on the other end, bouncing off ideas and us, you know, throwing different thoughts and uh, predictions and opinions back and forth. It makes it a whole lot more fun. I appreciate you. Absolutely. And thanks, everybody, for listening. That's right. And thanks to those who listen um, that we don't even know listen, people that have never called, never tweeted, that listen to the show, like Wes Andrews that Craig Bates told us about last week. And here we got to get an episode together about what uh, Wes was talking about, some of the best supporting cast players in UK basketball history. So we'll have to do that in the next couple of weeks or so throughout the summer uh, and get our thoughts on that. And uh, Wes, if you want to call in and disagree and tell us we're wrong, feel free. That'll be another fun show to do before football season. Absolutely. For my man, Terry TV Brown, this is Vinny Hardy. We'll see y'all next Wednesday for another fun show on Cats Talk Wednesday. Check out our work on CaramelsRadio.com. We'll see y'all a week from now. Good night, y'all.